Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. I wonder if a lot of you guys are tuning into this one, this show. The same way we get a lot of people who tune into the Monday Thunder and Lightning podcast. Like, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? This is Thunder and Lightning Live. Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for joining us here at Super Talk, wherever your local Super Talk affiliate is, supertalk.fm, Super Talk app. Before we get into any, and I do mean any, Mississippi State sports, we have some some business to attend to here on this show. Happy birthday to Rhino there in Studio X. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, sir. How are you, are you, I'm older than you, right? Please, please tell me that I am. I do believe so. If you can beat 37, you got me beat. Oh no, no, you got me. You're crushing me. See, this is the thing. Like you look older as the year goes by, because as the hair grows in, you get you get to look older. I get to see you on on uh, Palmer Home Day, where you look like you're 15. Oh yeah, I go from yeah. Grizzly Adams to baby faced in about 10 minutes. Yeah, in about two seconds, from from Grizzly Adams to Dennis the Menace in about about two minutes. All right. Well, happy birthday to Rhino. Thanks to you guys for tuning in. Appreciate it. Let's get to, into it. Uh, Mississippi State, LSU, we all saw what happened. I'm of two minds about what I should say on this game. On the one hand, if you listen to last week's show, you heard me predict Mississippi State to lose that game. Nothing that happened in Tiger Stadium came as a real surprise to me. The game played out a lot of uh, like I thought it would. I thought State would be better offensively in that game. But I thought LSU's talent would overwhelm them on defense. I thought that Jaden Daniels and his legs would make a difference, and and we'd be in the same position that the you know I, I thought we were going to be in. So okay, that's fine. But then you actually watch the game. You know, it's it's one thing to just be handed the box score and go, oh yeah, and that, that's how I thought it was going to go. It's another thing when you watch the game and you see the opportunities that Mississippi State had throughout that game. I would never say to put the game away. There was never a moment where, like, man, if they score here, this one is over. But there were a lot of opportunities to put some distance between them and LSU, to keep some distance from L- them and LSU. When you can, when I can point to three or four different things in a game and say, well, if they had just done that, they probably would have won, that's a game you're going to lose nine times out of ten, maybe 99 times out of 100. And with State, I thought the touchdown before the half – where they're up 13 nothing and they just let LSU have a real prevent defense kind of drive. The, the state's in coverage, so Daniels is able to run. There's some wide-open zones to throw the ball, and it goes from 13 nothing to 13-7, and that gave LSU the first sniff of any momentum they had. Obviously, the Austin Williams fumble has been discussed ad nauseum, just a, a bad decision by, uh, by everybody involved. You know, the holding penalty on the kickoff return. I mean, you get that kickoff return, it's 24-16 to 16 at that point. You're going to have the ball deep in LSU territory. I mean, even if you get a field goal, you get something going there and maybe have 
a little bit of momentum. And, and even just missing the extra point, raise your hand. I know you're out there if you thought State was going to lose that game 17-16. to 16. Rhino, I know your hand is raised. Write this. I can't see you, but I know that your hand is raised. Oh, yeah. Because at, at 16-10, to 10, you're thinking LSU's going to score and State's going to lose this game 17-16. I mean, State did too many things to give LSU momentum. Now, let's give LSU some credit. I feel like all week long, Mississippi State media – and myself included, have, have have really talked about what State didn't do in this game and what State could have done in this game. LSU played a pretty good game. They had a good game plan uh, offensively. They let Daniels do what he does best, which is run the football. And then I thought defensively their game plan was immaculate. Um, they are the first team I've seen since uh, Mike Leach has been here to say, you know what? Never mind the zone. We're going to come after Will Rogers. We're going to come after the quarterback on every play. And because they had superior talent, they were able to 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 dominate the line of scrimmage. And I thought that the way that they brought pressure by bringing they brought it a lot up the middle. They really put pressure on the interior state's offensive line. I feel like you know, in a situation where you bring guys off the edge, Rodgers can react to that. He can step up into the pocket and maybe find somebody. But when you bring it up the middle and you disrupt the, his ability to see down the field, and he, he's not the kind of quarterback who can spin out of that rollout and find guys. If it's not a design rollout, Will, Will Rodgers isn't going anywhere. So that was a really well-drawn-out and, and thought-of game plan. Rodgers said after the game they put a lot of stuff out there that they had not seen on film. And I guess that's to be expected. I mean, against Florida State, sure, but what are you going to show Southern? You know, if you're LSU, you're not showing anything off there. So kudos to the Tigers. They played a really good game, and now they've put themselves in a position where they can still have the kind of season that doesn't have everybody losing their minds down there. You know, they can still go 8-4, and four, I think. You know, they're going to lose to Alabama, probably going to lose to Arkansas, and then, you know, between Florida, Tennessee, and Ole Miss, they'll lose one more. I mean, but that's, you know, eight and four in Kelly's first year with all they're trying to do down there and all they had to do in the offseason is fine. What about Mississippi State? What are they on track for? Well, you know what? I'm going to know the answer to that on October the 16th because that's the stretch that's going to define this season for Mississippi State. We're going to talk a lot more about that later in the show. This week, though, it's about Bowling Green. Now, Bowling Green's an interesting team. They just come off of a win uh, over Marshall, who is just coming off a win over Notre Dame. So by the transitive property, a win over Bowling Green and Mississippi State is better than Notre Dame. Love the transitive property of college football. It's always a great thing. Uh, but this is a game. I mean, the MAC this year has not been good. Not been good football. State's a 30-plus point favorite in this game for a reason. They should win the game by that amount. So this week is more about... You know, what we call a get-right game. You lost, now bounce back by beating up on a, on a lesser opponent. It should be more about, you know, getting reps for the younger guys. I'm holding on to something about younger guys. I, 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 we may talk about it next week. I, I, I teased it on the podcast. I'll tease it here. I'm just saying we may have something to talk about that's, gonna, that, that's got my ire up a little bit. You might see a little of the, the Brian with the, the eye twitch involuntarily if things go that way. But that being said, this should be a week where you should play 25-plus guys offense and on defense. So 50, 50 to 60 guys should get reps in this game. I mean, If it sounds like I'm overconfident, guys, if State can't blow this team out, we, there are much bigger issues for us to discuss. We're going to have some real fun here on the show in the coming weeks if State doesn't blow this Bowling Green team out, which I, I, I thoroughly believe they will. So we'll talk about that, but then the season, you know, LSU was an appetizer. 
I'll, I'll, you know, we'll put it in, in Cajun terms. It was a big plate of oysters, if you will, some boudin balls. They didn't go down good for Mississippi State. But the real chunk of the season, what's going to define state season is the three games that follow this Bowling Green game. Texas A&M and Arkansas at home and then at Kentucky. What kind of team Mississippi State is, what kind of offseason Mississippi State's going to have, what kind of tenure Mike Leach is going to have at Mississippi State, it's going to be decided in those three games. And he'll either do well or he won't. But we're going to know everything we need to know about Mississippi State football in this season and maybe a little bit beyond by the time we get to the middle of October. But this week, it's about Bowling Green. How much research have you done on Bowling Green, Brian? I know you're asking that right now. You trust me to bring you the the most in-depth analysis of this game and Bowling Green. I couldn't tell you a single player for Bowling Green. To quote the great philosopher Socrates, or maybe it was The Rock, it doesn't matter what their name is. This team needs to be taken care of when they come here. If you remember a few weeks back when State played Memphis, I was of the same mind. I said, you know, the State's a huge favorite for a reason. They're going to blow them out. And they did. And it should have been worse. And it, it wasn't because of, I would say, of the weather more than anything else. This is another one. State should beat this team's brains in from start to finish. This should be a game where the other team doesn't score very much, and Mississippi State should score almost every time they have the football. State should be able to play clean without a lot of pressure, and then on the other side of the ball, on defense, they should be able to force mistake after mistake against the team. That's just not good enough to stay on the field with them. Again, again, if State can't blow this team out, we got a, we got a whole another issue to deal with and that we'll talk about going forward. And it really is just that simple. Now, we've set up all this great football talk. Let's do a U-turn. We're going to go completely a different direction. Only a few schools in America where in September, three weeks, four weeks into football season, do you care about college baseball. But this is one of them here at Mississippi State. So we're going to talk to Chris Limonis when we come, uh, we come back from the commercial. And we're going to talk to him for the first time since we talked to him at the end of last season. A season he would like to forget, a season Mississippi State fans would like to forget, moving forward with a, a new-look squad bolstered by the transfer portal, some interesting true freshmen, and some returning starters who, who look like they're going to provide uh, another level for Mississippi State. It's about getting back to where you were with Chris Limonis and Mississippi State baseball. That's when we come back, and then we'll get back to football after that. This is Thunder and Lightning Live. This is Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. We will be right back. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! Yeah, 
We may be right in the middle of college football season, but there's always time to talk college baseball when you're at Mississippi State. That means we got to talk to Chris Lamonis, the head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Coach, first off, thanks for joining me tonight. I know you no problem, I know man. You pretty like, well. Like to do it. Well, I, I know you like being on here because it's just me. If there's nobody else that's going to ask you any questions, I we we know what we, we don't have to say his name, but but nobody likes yeah, there that you guy. Go. It's okay. I, I'm sure he's living his good life. They deserve it. So uh, yeah, I like <laughs> you better. That's, that's for sure. I appreciate it. I know I've gotten to know you pretty well in your time here in Starkville. I know what kind of competitor you are, and I know the off season isn't over yet. But this has to have been the longest few months of your life waiting to get back onto the practice field. Yeah, and it's still the longest until we get to the next season and play. And, um, you know, as a group, you know, when I talked to the team the first day back and, and all our returners, we talked for about two minutes about last year, and then we put it behind us and we moved on. And uh, we're excited about this group. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a big turnover for us. I mean, just naturally, all the seniors and draft picks and, everything else over the last two years so it's a little invigorating you know uh, coaching a little more a little more grassroots you know a lot of new players um so we've had a fun time over the last couple weeks we've had a lot of hard work and it was a long summer i mean we you know college baseball and college recruiting you know the the portal the nil world the you know draft being so late now it, it causes a you know a lot of dysfunction but um i'm really happy how we came out of the summer and, and excited for this upcoming year we talked to you back during the season about recruiting, about recruiting in the portal specifically, and you said, you know, don't want to build the program that like that, but at the same time you understood the, the, the need for it. And you went out and got a lot of guys in this offseason because, like you said, you had a lot of, of losses uh, on your roster. How different was this offseason than any other before it in terms of having to go after all that, that number of guys? Yeah, it's, it, it's not what you want to do, that's for sure. I mean, it was um... – you know, the only positive, I guess we got to really work on our high school kids and show our high school kids a lot of love. And we really, we lost one first rounder who was elite player, but man, we got everybody else to campus. And I think that was a big piece of it. And then, you know, I'm hoping in the future we're not leaning on the portal that much. We'll always use it. I mean, it's hard not to take somebody who's a two year starter, uh, uh, I mean, an RJ Yeager, um, Scotty DeBrules. I mean, we've had some great transfers over the last couple of years. Um, but our first couple of years, we'd have one or two. And this year, I think we're at six or seven. So uh, it's a little more than we want, but it was out of necessity. And, and, you know, for us, fighting in that portal, man, it was important to find the right kid, not just the best player, but finding the right kid, the right makeup, a guy who could come in and help us. And we feel like we've done that. That's that's the next question I had is how do you, how would you assess how you did in the portal this year? Yeah, I think we're every people who vote on it have us in the top four in the country in our portal class. So we just you know uh, we, we got a couple elite hitters and then we really we, we signed a couple of guys who can start, but we also we went after a bullpen. You know, mature older arms, guys that have pitched out of the bullpen. You know, we got Texas, their closer. We got BCU's, you know, kind of hybrid guy with who has 19 saves and wins in his first two years in college. Like, we have, uh, you know, a, a kid who throws really hard out of Ball State and Nate Dome. That, you know, it's, you know, we felt like we could really grab some pieces, and that was that's what we did with our bullpen. And, uh, you know, we're excited. And then we got Landon Gartman's another arm that. You know, the one of the top starters out of the AAC, you know, from Memphis, who's a Mississippi kid. And, man, when, you know, 
he was the quickest guy to commit. You, you know, there's certain ones that they they've waited their whole life to be at Mississippi State. So I think he took about 30 minutes to make a decision, called me and committed. Just, uh, but it was a perfect fit. So uh, we feel, you know, we're excited about it. I think with with so much attention on the portal, people haven't discussed your recruiting class enough. It was a really good class. Like you said, you, you lose Jet Williams in the first round of the draft, but you got a lot of guys in that were potential uh, draftees. You know, now you've started practice up. Who amongst the youngsters has, has impressed you early? You know, uh, a really special class coming in. I think in most polls you're going to see us probably top three, top five in the country. Um you know, a lot of them are our Mississippi kids, too. You know, Dakota Jordan is an out, outfielder, you know, out of Jackson Academy who has – I mean, he's really impressed. Originally, he was going to play football. I think that scared away some of the, some of the you know, MLB teams and, and decided late that he wanted to come and just play baseball. And uh, I think he made the right decision because he's got a chance to be as special as you can be. Um, Ross Highfield's a catcher, you know, right out the, outside of Madison Central. He's a – Super athletic, also had a chance. I mean, we're talking about guys that could have signed for seven figures, you know, in times and their numbers and, you know, were, were invited to the draft combine. Um, Bradley Lofton's another guy out of DeSoto um, and probably, probably was pursued by MLB harder than anybody, but has been really good for us. Um, Colby Holcomb is a Juco kid, a one year Juco kid who's been up to like 98 in our scrimmages and throw strikes and competes, you know, not just throwing 98 everywhere. And then probably the most interesting guy um, is uh, Gerangelo Ciente, who is, uh, he's right-handed and then he's left-handed. So this weekend he was 90-92 and came in and pitched left-handed against Hunter Hines. And then Dakota Jordan came to the plate and he flipped his glove over and was 94-96. So, and he's an elite strike thrower, a guy that can really compete and play. So, you know, in our world, you know, we feel like we have, and then we have, and we have a handful of other guys. I just can't reel them all off, but some some guys that can really help us. You, you hit on who I wanted to ask about because I feel like, from a fan perspective, the the idea of an ambidextrous pitcher has everybody wondering how exactly that's going to work. So, I'm going to ask you, how exactly is that going to work? Will he change up his delivery? Per batter, uh, when he when he's in the game, well, he, yes, it's per batter. He can't do it in the middle of the at bat. Uh, you have to do it by batter. And if you're a switch hitter, the pitcher has to declare what he's doing first. So, oh well, I about hit somebody. I'm driving down the road. So, um, don't do that, coach. Please. Uh, yeah, he has to he, he has to decide, um, you know, who before each batter what he's doing, so the hitter can adjust. And we're not sure. I mean, there are so many things that we haven't even thought about yet. Um, in terms of how we're going to use him, how we're going to start him, how he warms up before the innings, how do you pitch his bullpens in the week, you know. So um, there's a couple guys who've done it over time, you know, so we have to figure that out. And it's, you know, it's really cool and it's fun to watch. But I'm telling you, it's it's really good. It's not a circus act. It's not a – I mean, he comes in and strikes out Hunter Hines this week, gets out Hunter Hines this weekend, and who is, to me, one of the better hitters in the country. Um and then he flips it right over, and he's facing Dakota Jordan. It's 95 on the black. I mean, so it's, uh, you know, the dynamic there is how we can use him. We'll have to figure that out over time. 
We've talked about all these new guys. Let's talk about some of the returners. And obviously, the biggest veteran you have coming back is Luke Hancock making one final run with Mississippi State. How big was that to get a player of his experience back for one more season? It was huge. He made, you know, Luke, Parker Stinnett, and Casey Hunt were probably as big as recruits as we had all summer. And I know they don't have as long a time here, but they are, uh, you know, we needed that veteran presence, you know, and, and I feel like what, you know, what those guys have gone through from winning a national championship to going through last year, um, I thought those were some big pieces there. And, and, and they all came back in a way, and they all could have moved on and done something else. But, you know, I, I think nobody wanted to walk away from here with that taste in their mouth from last year. And I think they were uh, – it, it's – I actually have a leadership council this year I've never had. But those guys are kind of leading it up because, you know, um, man, we need – you know, we, we have to change that a little bit and, and um, you know, get ourselves back to where we want to be. Well, you know, nobody needs to tell you to tell your coaching staff or tell your players that, you know, last place in the SEC is not where Mississippi State baseball expects to find itself. When you look at this upcoming season, I know you don't know the schedule yet because the SEC can't decide on some things even after they put a schedule out. But when you when you think about this upcoming year, you know, how big of a bounce back can 2023 be for your program? Well, I think it's you. I mean, I think we can do whatever – you know, from a talent side, I, I think it's more about makeup of your team and you got to stay healthy. And I don't want to use that as an excuse, but in our world last year, the health piece really threw us for, you know, when, when it's all in one position. So, you know, for us, you know, I think, um, I think we can do, I mean, our goal is to get back to the World Series. So I don't think it's a, you know, a, a talent issue. It's more of a makeup issue and, and, uh, being ready to go. You saw that happen. Last year, Auburn had a bad year. And then this year, they, they're in Omaha. Texas A&M, bad year. They're in Omaha. I mean, you know, I just, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it's just the game we play. And I just, you know, sometimes the game doesn't go your way. But I think we can kind of, you know, go out there and compete with anybody in the country right now. We have a long way to go. I, I don't think we're that team now. And a lot of these teams that went through the portal last year, it took them a while to get going. But we have to figure out who we are. But I, I like who we are. And, man, our practices are fun right now. They're competitive and and this group gets after it. Can't wait to get back to do uh, to Duty Noble this spring to watch some college baseball. Chris Lamonis, thanks, Coach. I appreciate your time. Stay safe on the road. Hey. Yeah, thank you, man. Take care. We'll be back in just a minute here on Thunder and Lightning. Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks to Chris Lamonis for joining us. Always appreciate his time. Always great to talk college baseball. I don't care what what day on the calendar it is. I'm I'm always up for it. Good stuff from him. Looking forward to uh, the 2023 season. I think that will be a bounce-back season for Mississippi State. Speaking of bounce-back, though, that's what State needs to start this weekend as far as it goes with football because, you know, they, they lose to LSU in a game that 
I think Mississippi State, I think too many Mississippi State fans forgot how rarely Mississippi State beats LSU. Uh, since the divisions have split, if I'm correct, it's it's four to twenty-six. State has won in Baton Rouge uh, two times in that span. Um, so I feel like the, man, people are frustrated. They're angry, and I get it. I get why because you watched the game. You know, you didn't you didn't just say, "Well, it's State LSU," and you know, I get it. You watched the game. State had a lot of opportunities. So do they bounce back? It starts this weekend with the get right game. And then you've got to be locked in, 100% locked in for these next three, because if you aren't, the season's going to get away from you. These next three games will define what this team is. Texas A&M at home, Arkansas at home, Kentucky at home. I'm sorry, Kentucky on the road, on the road. Let me tell you why. You know, now in my prediction, I had State going 2-1 and one in the next uh, three. I have them losing to Kentucky but winning the two home games. I'll tell you why I like State in the two home games right now. Texas A&M offensively is really bad, really bad. They have scored 17 points in their two games against FBS opponents. They only scored, I'm sorry, they scored 14 points, didn't they, on, on uh, yeah, 14 and 17. So they have 31 points total against FBS opponents. They, tri- they switched quarterbacks last week, and it didn't do anything for them. Uh, Miami had a, a hundred opportunities to win that game. It was very similar, to be honest with you, to the Mississippi State LSU game. I felt like Miami could have gone on the road and gotten a win there, but they just made mistakes at the wrong times, the same way Mississippi State did. But A and M's good defensively. Don't get me wrong, and they will give MSU some trouble there. But they just they can't score. They can't score. They don't have the quarterback. Their offensive system is dated. It's antiquated. It's not good, and. It's going to be tough for them to come into Starkville and get the win. This is the same Texas A&M team that State beat a year ago, but I don't. I think they have fewer weapons than they had a season ago. And as like I said, at the quarterback position, they just don't have anything. Max Johnson, uh, Haynes King, they just don't have anything working for them right now. And so it's going to be difficult for them to come into Starkville. Arkansas is a very interesting team. First off, you know Arkansas team that likes to run the football a lot. I think State is good at stopping the run for the most part. That, because K.J. Jefferson is going to run the ball differently than Jaden Daniels. And Jaden Daniels is going to get outside when plays break down. K.J. Jefferson is just going to run the football. And if he's going to run into the teeth of that MSU defense, I feel, I feel good about State's chances there. Arkansas defensively is a mixed bag for passing teams. And what I mean by that is this. They are one of the top sack teams in the country. I think they average close to six sacks a game. Obviously, it's only three games, and there's an FCS team in there. But, I mean, that's that's a good number of getting the quarterback on the ground. The problem is when the quarterback doesn't get sacked, they're giving up 370 yards passing a game. I mean, for a team that's going to throw the ball, if you're telling me State's going to throw the ball 50 times, and so on 44 of them, they're going to get the pass off, that's going to be pretty good. That's going to be a pretty good night offensively. I mean, State has lost these last two years to Arkansas. I think we would go back to, to year one, and K.J. Costello just played the worst game of his life. And, I mean, he played some bad ones, but he was just, for whatever reason, he just did not seem in that game like he was locked in the whole game. Uh, of course, Kylan Hill gets hurt early in that game. I think that could have been a difference maker because they had to, to turn it over to Marks and Johnson maybe a little earlier than they would have liked to. 
you know, Arkansas was not giving State a lot of opportunities to pass because they were that was the, the the genesis of the drop eight, and Costello couldn't beat it last year. I mean, if State can make field goals, they beat Arkansas. It's, it's literally that simple. They did enough to beat Arkansas, but their special teams let them down. Now I know what you're thinking. You got trust in those special teams now? Eh. I, I, I the extra point thing is one of the most inexplicable football related things that I've seen in recent memory. A team that can't make field goals, okay, I get it. You can't make field goals, right? Sometimes it's difficult. I get it. But extra points are something that you should be able, you know, any college kicker should be able to just go out there and knock through 99% of them. You know, and going back to uh, to Biscardi, you know, he strangely had missed a bunch of extra points during his time at Coastal Carolina, and I thought maybe it's just an anomaly. I don't know, the teal field. I don't know. But it's not, evidently. He missed two extra points against Arizona. And then Raybon takes over, looks good, kicking the ball well. And uh, then he misses one against LSU. State's special teams this year are, are Jekyll and Hyde. That's what I, that's how I described them on Monday's Thunder and Lightning podcast. State is doing some really good things in special teams that they were not doing a year ago. Their, their kickoff and punt coverage is outstanding. Their punting has been fantastic. Archer Trafford and George Georgiopoulos have done a fantastic job of pinning teams deep and and. and I think they're doing a great job. Kickoff coverage after the first game, especially Raybon just puts it through the end zone. Perfect. That's all. I I am a huge proponent of just kick it through the end zone. It's not worth playing the game with them. The return game, Xavion Thomas and Tulu Griffin are two of the best in the country. Explosive guys, elusive guys. When they get their hands on the ball, they're doing positive things. But then you miss extra points, and then you have the the Austin Williams punt return. And that's all you're two and one instead of you know three and zero. Simple as that. Kentucky is a more you know getting back to why can state win these games. Kentucky's a little bit different. I first of all I'm interested to see what Kentucky looks like when they're when they're full when they're they're fully loaded when Chris Rodriguez returns. That'll be next weekend in Oxford. But they are a tough football team. I feel like this is going to be a very blue collar grinded out game between those two two teams. And last year it kind of was that too, but state just was able to really have a good game plan, and Will Rogers was just on that night. And he just he took what Kentucky gave him the whole game, and if you recall, he completed 94% of his passes. I think he was 36 of 39 in that game. If 94% is not correct, you know, sue me. I don't, I, the math isn't going to happen in my head for that particular number. You'll have to forgive me. But he was really good that night, and State was really good defensively that night. They picked off Levis, I think, three times in that game. But State has struggled with Kentucky on the road the past three trips up there. 16, they lost on a last-second field goal. 18, you might remember that was sort of the uh, the beginning of the undoing of Joe Moorhead and that awful performance up there at Kentucky. And then two years ago, I thought that was maybe the worst game of the season, uh, was against Kentucky, the 24-2 game where State just gave them opportunity. I mean, you talk about giving a football game away. Goodness gracious, that was that was a bad, a tough one to watch uh, from, from a Mississippi State perspective. I don't think State is going to give away the game this year up at Kentucky, and I feel like they'll have opportunities to win. But here's the thing. If Kentucky can beat Ole Miss next week, they got a great chance to be undefeated playing that game. They're probably ranked in the top five, and you're starting to look ahead to that November matchup with Georgia as, you know, could it happen? I don't think it can, but could it happen? They'd have a ton of momentum. It would be tough to go in there. If State were to go in there and win that game, that would be a, a massive win for Mike Leach. And that's something people have trouble accepting, so by the way especially from last year. Kentucky won 10 games last year. 
people like to write off the Kentucky game as well. I think we still have this thought process in our head of it's just Kentucky. You know, for years it was who's the worst teams in the East. So it's Vanderbilt and Kentucky. It's not like that anymore. Same way in the West. You can't just say, oh, well, it's Mississippi State. You know, that's how you lose games. These next three games define after Bowling Green. Bowling Green. We don't we don't want to discuss what's going to happen if that game gets away from Mississippi State. It's it's not going to be pleasant. I won't want to do the shows at that point because I'll just have to yell and scream and make make people angry. I'll I'll, I'll be getting texts over there. What are you talking? Don't say that. You know, no, we don't we don't need that to happen. So get past this game and then your season is in the next three games. You're three and zero. You're six and one playing Alabama. Look, you're going to lose to Alabama. Well, we, I think we're all on board. We just all sing kumbaya. We're good. But you're six and one playing Alabama. You're probably winning eight, maybe nine. You're two and one in the next three games. You're four. You're, you're what? Five and two? Is that right? Eight wins is a, a, a real probability. You feel pretty good about the season. You feel like you're moving in the right direction. Sure. Anything less than that, and it's going to be a struggle. And you know, if if you're one and two, if you're you know, if you go to Alabama with with three losses, I mean, you you know you're losing Alabama and Georgia. That's five. Now you're now you're you're at best you're just the same record you were a season ago. And chances are, you know, I mean, what would a, would a a seven and four Mississippi State team headed to Oxford be a favorite? I would say no. I would say no, without knowing knowing anything more about Ole Miss. These next three games define Mississippi State's season, period, after this Bowling Green game. I have to keep throwing that caveat in there, after this Bowling Green game. Got to get that win first. When we come back, we will uh, give you some playmakers to watch and our prediction for Mississippi State Bowling Green, plus a little bit of uh, basketball recruiting news. Don't need the song, Rhino. Don't cue it up, but we'll talk a little basketball recruiting when we come back on Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Wrapping up with you on another great Wednesday evening. This is Thunder and Lightning Live. I'm Brian Haydad. If you liked the show and you missed any of it, you can always find it on the podcast feed, which is the same as the Thunder and Lightning podcast. So wherever you get podcasts from, or of course you can always go to supertalk.fm, which is a great place to listen to the show. You can watch the show there, Supertalk TV. There's a lot of great places that you can find Supertalk. You're never too far away from it, no matter where you are, not only in the state of Mississippi, but around the world. We don't talk a lot of basketball recruiting on this show, probably, but this one deserves a little mention because tomorrow the top player in the state of Mississippi, point guard Josh Hubbard from Madison Ridgeland Academy, MRA, 
Shout out to the MAIS. Uh, rated as the top 100, one of the top 100 players in the country by 24-7 Sports. He will make his choice tomorrow. And it is straight up between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You don't see a lot of those battles for the top players in the state. Usually it's one school has a big advantage over the other. The most recent one would be Deshaun Ruffin, who went to Ole Miss. State was never really in the game for him. Prior to that, maybe Robert Woodard, but he's an MSU legacy. He was in Columbus. No chance for, for Ole Miss to get involved there, really. So, uh, so kind of a uh, an unusual thing. The, the, the tea leaves, they really depend on who you ask, to be totally honest with you. Uh, some people would say State. Some people would say Ole Miss. His relationship with Kermit Davis is sort of what's leading him towards Ole Miss. But at the same time, you know, Kermit Davis is a coach that we all know is, is going to be on the hot seat for this upcoming season. So we'll see. But uh, he will make his commitment tomorrow uh, around uh, lunchtime, maybe a little later. So uh, keep an eye on that. I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, at Brian Haydad, uh, when he makes his decision, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what he said. So we'll go from there. All right, a couple players to watch in this game for Mississippi State against Bowling Green. I almost feel like I should pick some backup guys because they're going to get some playing time in this game. Um, so, you know, do I see more in this game from maybe a Xavion Thomas? You know, I think he'll be returning punts, which I expect to see quite a few of. I don't expect Bowling Green to be able to move the football very much, so he should have some opportunities there. But does he also get some opportunities um, as a receiver? He's showing you that with the ball in his hands, he can be an asset. State's got to find a way to get these playmakers the football. If you've listened to the podcast, if you listen to today on Sports Talk Mississippi, you realize what an issue, what an area of frustration that is for Bulldog fans. They're, they're not happy. They're not happy with the way the receivers are being rotated. They want to see these guys on the field more. Tulu Griffin, Ra-Ra Thomas, Savion Thomas, Jaden uh, uh, Wally. You know, For one reason or another, those guys aren't out there, and they're not making the plays that we've seen them make in the past. So Savion Thomas might be a good one to watch because I think he'll get the ball. He'll definitely get some punts to, to work with. Um, beyond that, I mean, what, are you going to see a little bit more of a guy like Simeon Price? Who I, I think you you know will get some carries in the second half of this game for sure. He can show maybe maybe he can be another piece for Mississippi State, a third running back. Not going to get a ton of, of reps, but can be a guy that you know when you bring him into the game, you can trust him to do some things. Once he State clean up those drops this week too. I know Jason over in Flagstaff, he's been he's been wearing me out about drops, man. I get it. They, they were they were a huge issue last weekend. Another reason you lost the game. You you, you drop key passes. At key times, got to work on that. Got to clean that up. Defensively, for me in this game, you know, when you play a, a MAC team and you're an SEC team, you, it, what happens up front is what matters. You should be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. Now we talked about that a little bit with Memphis a couple weeks ago. So it's sort of the same deal. He'll go with Nathan Pickering. Why not? He played a really good game. He's he's had a good season. I think he's starting to tap into the potential that he had when he signed with Mississippi State. You might recall when he signed with MSU, that's a guy that everybody thought was going to be the next great MSU defensive lineman. It's It's been a struggle to get him there. But at this point, maybe you feel like he, he's starting to take off a little bit. So we'll put Pickering down. And then for our X factor, somebody who could make a play in this game that, you know, eh, there's a lot of options, to be totally honest with you. You know what we haven't seen a whole ton of this year? Jaquavius Marks has not done much in the passing game. Only seven catches. Dylan Johnson's uh, got 17 catches. That's that's a little backwards from where I thought it would be. Johnson has been playing really well, but maybe this is a game for Marks where he can have, you know, he had the big the big run last week that got MSU on the board. That's the longest run under Mike Leach to give you an idea of how State's running game has been in the air raid. 
37-yard touchdown run is the longest run in three years. Ish. But you can do, you know get get him going in the passing game a little bit more could 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 bring some 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 juice to Mississippi State as well. So then we'll we'll go with Marks as our X factor. Why not? Why not? Prediction. I mean, it's big, right? Forty-two ten. Does that work for you guys? I'm going to say forty-two ten. Mississippi State uh, takes down uh, Bowling Green, and then we'll have some real football to talk about the next three weeks. Texas A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky. Yeah, that's SEC football. Let's let's get the job done, and we'll see what happens. All right, Thunder and Lightning podcast. You know where to find it. Sports Talk Mississippi. I'll be on with you tomorrow. For Rhino, happy birthday again, my friend. Go out and enjoy a, a fine steak, I hope. Or whatever it is, you know. You want to have a salad? I won't say anything. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.